Hello there, woman beings, and welcome to another episode of the Woman Being Podcast. My name is Emma, and I'm here, as always, today with the lovely Kelly Ann. Hello. And Kelly. Hello. And we are joined today by Cami, who we are very excited to talk to. Cami uh, Zaya is an artist, and she is the owner and founder of Zaya Inc. Um, and we are just really stoked to uh, pick her brain, pick her creative mind, and uh, hear all the good nugs she has to give us. Um, we think you guys are going to enjoy it. And so... With all that being said, we're going to jump right in. This is Woman Being. Where we explore thoughts and opinions. And have the freedom to change our minds. Without expectation or judgment. We will hold a safe space and support each other. As we navigate together in the form of feminine. Like I said, we are here today with Cami, and we're going to talk to her about her art and the work that she does. Um, but first, I want to remind you guys that you can find us, Woman Beings, um, at Woman Being Podcast on Instagram, and we are on all the different podcast platforms. We would really love if you'd be able to give us a review on those, give us a follow. Um, that will help other people find this work, and also um, will you'll be able to give input into what kind of guests we should have because Cami actually was a guest that was recommended to us by an Instagram follower. So you can have control in this. This is interactive. Um, anyways, all that to say, Cami, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> we are really stoked to pick your brain. Um, you, first of all, are just such a cool person that we are just honored to be in your presence. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> Um, so to start out, uh, you're an artist, you're a creative, uh, could you just tell us and tell the listeners, um, a little bit, a bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, <clears throat> so I mostly, uh, can be found in like a digital space on social media doing, um, digital art. It's a combination of hand lettering and illustration, uh, normally centered around like mental health, feelings, yeah. social justice, just basically whatever's on my mind that day. Um, I've been doing art for like about eight years consistently now, and it's evolved into what it is today. And um, I feel like I'm like finding my stride. I really like it. We like what you do too. <laughs> it's good, like especially in our local community, it's amazing to have. I think there's like a vibrancy here in the creative space. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really fun when, you know, there's things like that showing up at the coffee shop and, oh, yeah. you know, stickers or whatever. Yeah. Little pieces of your I, art. I have some of those stickers. Yeah, <laughs> on your water bottle. Yeah. So it's, it, it really, like, adds color and culture mm. to our little town. Cultureless town. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, everywhere, it has culture, I mean, I mean technically. Sounds, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, just yeah. A, <laughs> just the yeah. NorCal culture. Yeah, it's a kind of culture. Yes, I heard about State of Jefferson on like a national news podcast recently mm -hmm. and I was like, I live there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Anyways, if you guys don't know what state of Jefferson Look is, it up. Google it. That's don't where we live. Me. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. <laughs> but like seriously though, <laughs> that's kind of what we're about. Um, not we, but like we. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I heard basically you've transitioned full time to your mm -hmm. artistry recently. Well, in the last year or so? Yeah, it happened like toward the end of last year. I think it was in October. 
Awesome. Yeah. How's so, that been? Oh, best what's, month of the year. What's mm-hmm. that like? It's <laughs> when I was born. <gasps> really? That's when, when you were born. born. All of you? Yes. yes. <laughs> Wait, what day? Four days. Um, I'm yeah. October 4th. I'm 25th. And I'm the 31st. I'm the 9th. <gasps> Stop! Wow. Libra. Yeah, so you guys are the same because we're both Scorpios because oh, we're at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So then you guys are the Libras. Wow. 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 <laughs> this is amazing. Is. This is a October room. Yes. <laughs> spooky podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. Um, but yeah, how's that oh, been? Right. You're a full-time artist. That's amazing. Like, I, I think that's the life that many dream of. So yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, I think every day I'm, like, reminding myself that I'm doing it. Um, it was just, like, a solid eight years of doing this as, like, a side hustle, like, hobby, like, trying to figure out how it could, like, stand on its own, like, legs and, like, really mm-hmm. be, like, a substantial thing that supported mm-hmm. me. And it kind of happened suddenly. It wasn't exactly, like... I planned, but I think the timing was really good. Um, It's definitely challenging, though, you know, Mm -hmm. especially, like, the beginning of the year is just, like, notoriously slow for any sort of, like, brands and any business. And I think it's been challenging for me to, like, have so much space to kind of create whatever I want because a lot of the way that I support myself is designing for hire for other people, Mm -hmm. individuals or businesses, um, and so having this much time just to make whatever I want has been surprisingly, uh, stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm like, I can do whatever I want today. And then I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do like so what do I do? Yeah. And I'm like, I can do anything. And it's like, <laughs> I actually didn't realize how helpful it was to like have someone telling me what I needed to do that day or like sure. have like responsibilities or expectations from like working in like, you know, the corporate world for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm figuring it out every day. It's mostly very fun. Like yeah. I feel incredibly lucky to be here. I really didn't know if it would ever happen. And I'm, really just hoping I get to be my own boss forever so yeah I'm a pretty fun boss (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's I I would believe it yeah Uh, you have your own best interests in mind yeah Yeah. I give myself lots of raises lots of drinks yeah Yeah. holidays every holiday (laughs) holidays holidays. yeah national pajama day yeah exactly (laughs) we do inclusive holidays at at Zaya Inc (laughs) and your staff probably just loves that yeah they love me (laughs) all all of them being my dog (laughs) oh my gosh that's so cute though I mean a dog is the best employee because they're gonna always be loyal to you yeah it's true they're never going to just you know abandon you or run out on you for a better job (laughs) she doesn't even know that I like use her to like get people to like me more on the internet sure so she's free labor yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. perfect for me yeah (laughs) so um so but then before that I mean you were kind of building your career and working full-time so how is that like sort of balancing the like day job with sort of having you know the creative dreams that you were going after Mm. yeah it was uh, I mean I think overall it was a lot of less balancing and more just like integrating the two in ways that like probably weren't as beneficial for my employer to be (laughs) perfectly honest like um especially if I had like desk jobs I was doing Mm. a lot of like administrative work so It was a lot of, like, bringing projects with me to work to, like, do on breaks or on my lunch. Like, sometimes waking up early to meet deadlines and working on at night, working on the weekends. Um, 
at hustling, as they say, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a lot of not being able to have a lot of balance because you're needed completely in two separate, separate ways. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't change it. It was worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally resonate to the grind mm-hmm. life that you mentioned. Um, I mean, we have yeah. this project. Exhibit A. <laughs> we are also doing... Uh, another project currently on the side and mm-hmm. I quite I, the project quite the project and I uh mathed out that I'm looking at roughly like 35 hours of work outside of my 40 hours of work and mm-hmm. so yeah. um I resonate feel the pain and mm-hmm. the love right yeah, it's oh, truly a love yeah. um yeah. otherwise you wouldn't put yourself through what you do <laughs> no <laughs> the sleepless nights mm-hmm. the Oh, yeah, I'll just get drive through one more time. You know, like, yeah, for sure. Like, abandoning all your, like, needs because the thing that you love so much is, like, taking up all of your energy. So Mm -hmm. you don't even realize that you're actually neglecting yourself a bit while you're also Mm. doing the thing that you love. Right. But you're reaping the rewards of that now. Which is amazing. Yeah. Um, But I'm sure a lot to balance. Um, So switching gears, though, a little bit, you've been involved in the Christian church in the past Mm -hmm. quite a bit, as we all have, Mm. Um, all all of us here. (laughs) Um, And so I'm really curious to know how has the church played a role in your art because you've, you know, really evolved um, and now you're you're really outspoken with your art, which I find a breath of fresh air in this Mm. community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I have to give credit where credit's due, for sure. Like, as, as layered and kind of tense as the the association can be sometimes, mm-hmm. like, I think I am really grateful that this community had um, options for me to be a part of whenever I was first starting out and really wouldn't have known how to, like, get my foot in the door otherwise. Like, um, events at church you know, uh, like local markets, like we live in a smaller town that is like a church town, but I think they do value creative people Mm -hmm. doing creative things. Um, So the thing that I think has been interesting about the involvement is whenever I first started, I felt like all of my art was around what other people were saying. Mm. It was a lot of quotes of like, leaders, you know, speakers, Mm -hmm. songs, different things like that. And as I kind of transitioned out of being really invested in the church and uh, kind of finding my own path, I started actually saying what I thought about things. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like the most special part of the journey. And I am really grateful for having outlets before um, but I much rather say what I have to say than say what someone else is saying. Yeah, that's super fair. I, I mean, I think there's it's a whole process and journey, right? Of like pulling away from being like, frankly, a microphone. Yeah. Like, and that's not just you; that's everyone, mm-hmm. right? That's come up in really strong religious circles. Um, but what is that like? Like the process of finding your voice? Because mm-hmm. I found as you challenge what you've believed for so long, something different feels wrong for a long time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it is very alienating whenever you're separating yourself from that kind of lifestyle, basically, Mm. because, you know, so much of your life, who you know, the things that you do, they're all centered around this one 
like core value mm-hmm. and like institution. And so whenever you're like slowly separating yourself, putting a lot of distance between it and starting to think other things that are especially challenging for all the things that you've been taught. I mean, it was very lonely mm-hmm. and um, so much of you feels wrong. Mm-hmm. So much of you feels bad, even for starting to entertain new thoughts and even just feeling comfortable about thinking those mm-hmm. new thoughts feels wrong. Like it, it feels like um, you should you should feel worse basically mm. about thinking new things. And it's strange that it's confusing that it doesn't, uh, that you feel peaceful about the new things that you're thinking because you've always been taught that it's the evil of the world mm-hmm. to participate in X, Y, Z thinking. Right. Which is probably a huge, was a huge tension as an artist and wanting oh, yeah. to like push out like your own personal thoughts and maybe different messaging and, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine that that journey because mm-hmm. it's, you know, what you put out into the world. It's very different, I right. think, than just a personal mm-hmm. thing. Well, especially because, you know, growing up in the church, you're taught pretty much from day one that, like, you're, you have such a deep, important uh, call mm-hmm. on your life. Like, what you do with your life will change the world. Right. And so there's so much... I think over responsibility Mm -hmm. in what you have to say with that sort of teaching and so much pressure of like, I'm leading this. Mm -hmm. I'm impacting everything around me. People's souls are at stake. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like I'm responsible for the things that I'm teaching in this world. I'm going to be held accountable whenever I Mm. die for everything that I have to say. And um, I don't believe that now, but. In the beginning, that was really hard. That Mm -hmm. was really difficult because I felt like I was um, going against maybe what I had formerly believed I was, like, here to do. Totally. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like the stakes are high enough that, like, a painting or a drawing that I've made could be up on someone's wall that's going to inspire them to do the thing that they need or whatever. whatever. (laughs) And then as bad as... The painting that I drew could be up on someone's wall <laughs> and, like, drive them into total destruction. Right. <laughs> Damnation. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. Like, the, the pressure is crippling. It is. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And anyway. Yeah. And lot. I mean, I think, too, about uh, – I feel like a lot of what you're referencing in terms of, like, feeling the, the fear or the loneliness as you're sort of breaking down what your religious beliefs were um, – is, is what a lot of people call deconstruction nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of this pushback against deconstruction um, because I hear a lot of the rhetoric that, uh, oh, you're just doing this because um, being a Christian is, like, too hard or this is, like, the easy way out or you just want to <laughs> sin, <laughs> you know? And uh, I've um, specifically this one uh, account that I follow pretty closely. Um, I don't remember the guy who runs its name, but it's the New Evangelicals. Um, he talks a lot about the pain of deconstruction and how uh, he genuinely has been 
exiled by friends that he, like, had beloved relationships with for decades. Mm -hmm. He was kicked off of the worship team at his church, and he loved playing drums on the worship team. Like, all these things because he started to deconstruct what his beliefs are, and he he is always— bringing up the point that, like, he didn't do that to, like, have more fun, you know? Like, he didn't do that to, um, like, go the easy route. It's actually a very difficult and isolating um, and painful route. And I think uh, with you, especially, like, you, your art was tied to this. So it's not like, or at least I imagine, uh, that it's not like you thought, oh, I will be able to, you know, be more successful as an artist if I you know, break down these beliefs when, like, it seems like a lot of your your pool was, like, the this, like, faith-oriented um, clients and things like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there was definitely so many moments where I was, like, one, feeling like a fraud whenever mm. I was, like, making the things that I was making um, because I just knew that I wasn't invested the same way that I was before or that I was writing about things that I knew I didn't really believe in anymore. Mm -hmm. And there was so much worry around what would happen if I pivoted messaging or what would it even look like for me to just say whatever it was that I was feeling or thinking. Um, I, I didn't, just to go back to the deconstruction thing, like it would have been so much easier for my life if I would have never, been confused and upset around all the things that I had been teaching or felt like all my trust was broken from leaders whenever they were supporting things that felt just very deeply wrong in my soul you Mm. know that were going on in the world like it would have been so much easier for my life and I would have kept status and friends and uh, family you know that Mm. I've lost I think deconstruction is a huge grief process it's, yeah. it's all just, it's so much loss and then the gain comes so much later, mm-hmm. but the initial phase of it is not easy by any means. And I've had so much less fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. Since then. It's so true. I mean, it is a true grief. It's yeah. a true, like, soul crushing experience. I mean, I remember yeah. when it fully ramped up and smacked me in the face and I felt like broken. Yeah. I mean, who wants their foundation ripped out from underneath them? Right. Like, it's terrifying to put everything that you've ever been taught on a table and start, like, tossing it away. Like, Mm -hmm. no one wants to do that. Like, you get to that point because the same, like, voice inside of you is tipping you off, like, that something isn't right, something isn't making sense, and we're taught to follow peace, and it's interesting where that leads a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, I think it, it gets to, a, a like you're saying, a breaking point where you you just, you can't walk in, um, I guess, like, ignorance or, or feigned naivety any longer. It, it gets to the point where, especially, I think, like, as a, a Christian, you, if you really believe in, like, um, doing good, then to me, like, deconstruction is a very logical path to go down because I think that it often leads to doing more good, to, like, to to wanting to, to be more loving to people mm-hmm. and um, to what I would argue is more Christian. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. 
it, yeah, it definitely. Yeah, makes well, sense. the myth there is that people, yeah, people are leaving the faith to you know sleep with their girlfriend or you know like yeah. be able to smoke pot on the weekends or whatever. And which you can totally do as a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, people are doing currently right now. Yeah, yeah. Yes. at this moment, <laughs> all, all of those things together. <laughs> yeah, like every second, this many people. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's sort of, like, trivialized, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, like, in the pursuit of the things that Jesus taught, I Mm -hmm. think, that people go down this road. It's in the pursuit of love your neighbor and um, care for the the widowed and the orphans and, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is that for sure. There's also, I think, people who have been just so deeply like hurt by my church communities that it's it's just not um I mean it's not healthy it's not really possible at least in that time for them to even be right. around that so I think that I think there's different realms of it right um because I tend to have a very um I guess like positive view of deconstruction but I also recognize that there's there's times where it's like there's just been so much harm done. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And and a lot in my case, there was a lot of like, oh, this is actually really rotten (laughs) and very vile, like some of the stuff that I'm experiencing in these four walls. And so if that's the case, like, is this sort of belief system that I've grown up with really true? Like, Mm -hmm. if it's not actually affecting people in in at the heart level in a way that would create a healthy, safe environment for peoples to live in. And anyways, it's all very interconnected. Um, in the midst of it. But yeah, I think I, I just hate, I hate the trope that people, people quit church so that they can do fun stuff. Cause sometimes, yeah. sometimes they quit church because they are genuinely seeking out what they have been taught. Yeah. And they're yeah. looking for that kind of kindness and And compassion. also leading church doesn't like equate to leaving God yeah. either. Like mm-hmm. I have a huge amount of distrust with church and at this point, like no interest to be involved in one but that doesn't mean that i have been like oh you know to hell with god and it's all just so mm-hmm. fake to which i mean some people that's need funny. to do and that's yeah. totally fine right <laughs> <laughs> um, but like yeah th- there's this there's this equation of the two of like now you've just turned your back on god mm-hmm. and you're like atheist or something and you just threw the baby out with the bathwater or whatever yeah um and that's just not true for mm-hmm. so many people yeah. right i think if anything my uh, view on people is like so much more centered around like action and love so less just about like what I'm here to do mm-hmm. in the world and my view on God is so much more simple in a way that has just made my life so much more spiritual mm-hmm. because before it was all like I just don't want to go to hell yeah right and now it's like oh, wow, I think I'm recognizing the people that Jesus would stop for in these stories. And they're the people I'm stopping for, too. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe I look more like Jesus now than before without going to church. Wow. Yeah. Uh, novel yeah. Maybe, maybe. Hot <laughs> <Not> take. <laughs> and, I mean, I think that that's also comes from a really limited view of God, the idea that someone stops going to church and then they don't have God. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the idea that, do you really think that God is is only within a, 
a specific church, you know, like, or that God is only within (laughs) this, like in this one way to interact with the divine, that's it. Um, I, I, I just, I think it's kind of ridiculous, honestly. And even if you look at, you're talking about like being more like Jesus, like how often did you see Jesus in the church? Like Jesus was also like out amongst the people. Jesus was like, Jesus was rebuking the church a lot. Mm -hmm. Jesus was, you know, like, Flipping tables in the church, the, like, classic example that people bring up. But a lot of criticism of the church came from the Christ. And so, it, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a really limited view of God, in my, my opinion. But in that same sort of, in that realm, as, as we're moving on from, like, sort of deconstruction mm-hmm. and the ways that your art had, has been, like, intertwined with faith, um, your art has also become intertwined with sort of advocacy and mm-hmm. um, social justice. Uh, and so uh, what what was it like finding your voice as as like an advocate then um, in and being an artist in that space now? Yeah, that I definitely feel a lot of weight on that type of word, like activist mm. advocate. I definitely have been kind of grouped into that category Mm -hmm. and I completely understand why I think it just like it makes me sweat a little bit whenever (laughs) I'm like I'm like no I don't do enough please don't call me that (laughs) you know but it's just it's fine it's just my own thing I'm working out um (laughs) but you know I think I have always been a really outspoken opinionated passionate person and I've always been a person of like justice you know like It looked a little bit different whenever I was, like, in the church. But, you know, just, like, as an individual, I get really worked up and moved by uh, unfairness Mm. and oppression. Um, You know, so naturally, whenever things happened a couple summers ago, George Floyd's death, um, that, you know, really shook so many people. Uh, myself included and I just started talking about it like Mm -hmm. to me I just can't imagine not discussing something so pivotal for our society Mm -hmm. and um, you know whenever you like peel back the lens of oppression marginalized communities it's never ending like Mm -hmm. there's so many different communities there's so many different forms of injustice and Um, it's an interesting space to be in because there's a lot of responsibility and people expect a lot of you. Um, but I'm not an educator. I'm just someone who's really passionate about this not existing in the world. Mm. And that's like the best that I can do is just like talk about how I feel about these things and the ways in which maybe we could change our perspective toward them. And eventually heal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in a similar way that you were amplifying the the voices of people within like church community, mm-hmm. you you can also use your art to amplify voices who are advocating for justice, yeah. which is really, really cool. Like because I mean art is so impactful. Like art, um, <laughs> just to put some more pressure on you. <laughs> 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 art, like the I, I just um I think people get so deeply moved by um, works of art, uh, and it's a huge way that um, 
people start to consider uh, different points of view mm-hmm. or um, how people's minds start to change because uh, I think people often feel more open to, to consuming a piece of art than, I don't know, uh, just listening to like um, an activist's speech about sure. something, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it feels like, um, like a softer way to, to, to start to push people in a, in another direction, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's like, it's really, it, it has a lot of potential for, for influence, um, mm-hmm. which I'm feeling very much like I sound like those Christians who talk about <laughs> having all this influence, yeah. but like, it, it, there's a tension in that because, yeah. um, I mean, art has influence, I think, just inherently. Um, I think that uh, Christian churches have sort of often um, recognized that and common, commandeered art in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's necessarily negative or positive, but it has been used. So, um, yeah, you you have such opportunity to to spread those messages and to put it in a way that's also really beautiful. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and also like y- you, you're a woman, of course, and a woman of color. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 and so you kind of, you offer your unique voice mm-hmm. um, as a fiery, passionate human, but also like as a woman and as a woman of color, you have, a unique perspective that you give. So how has that kind of influenced your art or um, maybe the way that you present the things that you want to say, or maybe I'm kind of saying the same thing over and over again, but how does that play a role? No, I get what you're saying. Um, You know, like, like I mentioned being like really passionate, emotional, like very easily worked up to be honest <laughs> like if it's something that I care about you know Same. um that's why we have this podcast right <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> that's October born women yeah <laughs> something in the air that month um, yes. no but I think you know most of my life like those qualities have been like used against me or used to discredit me in so many ways just being like emotional in general like hyper emotional I just I'm a person who I think like feels very deeply like you know whatever (laughs) like I know people love to like whatever but like I'm not like I'm a feeler I'm just like I I feel like I can just really tap into an emotion and like fully be in it and Mm -hmm. it can just kind of like overtake me so um that has for most of my life kind of been a reason as to not like trust the things that I'm talking about because there's not enough um, you know, foundation to them, or perhaps there's not enough research or information under my belt, you know, for me to be able to talk about these things. And um, something in me really shifted uh, whenever I first started talking more about social justice stuff online, because, you know, before that, I had just talked about, like, just kind of some of my experiences in the world, like mental health type stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, every once in a while would dip into like, social justice things but not really like full sprint at this topic Mm. um and I think honestly just the fuel of people not taking me seriously just like Mm. pissed me off enough to be really loud about it Mm. and be like fuck you I actually do know what I'm talking about (laughs) and I actually have personally experienced 
some of these things um, either just from watching them or mm. directly. And so you can't discredit this because I've seen it with my own eyes and I felt it in my own body. Mm-hmm. Like it's real and you can't tell me otherwise. And so I'm not going to shut up about it. I'm just going to be really annoying and louder about it. So, you know, it's just kind of yeah. like being petty, I guess. Like, <laughs> no, petty for no, the good of the world. Not at all. Like, <laughs> that sounds like how dare you like eradicate my experience just because yeah. you disagree like it, yeah what i've gone through mm-hmm. is just true it's not yeah of statistics or right <laughs> yeah, logic yeah. Or because it, it was interesting because you know obviously open up opening up some of these conversations for the first time like having like blatant racism thrown at me and having like so many especially like white dudes on the internet telling me like how not true some of the things that I were talking about were and I was like this is my literal lived personal Mm -hmm. experience this is the world that I grew up in it's true Mm -hmm. like so if I know that I know what I'm talking about I can just double down on it and I can't I won't get swayed by other people not believing in me I mean it's frustrating but I think it definitely has been fuel to like keep the fire going because I do know how easy it is for people to be discredited and there's so many people who genuinely have something to offer Mm -hmm. educationally or just from sharing lived experiences yeah which doesn't sound petty to me that sounds like (laughs) some bad bitch energy (laughs) honestly just I want to say commenting on an Instagram post about how someone is wrong that's petty yeah (laughs) i'm just like how do you have like time for that you know like it's amazing you have no idea what people have the time for a couple summers ago oh i mean people have told us that people had an abundance of time especially the the pandemic i have limited all my comments to only people who follow me and that was a game good for you yeah Yeah, that's good like oh (laughs) Death threats, no thanks. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. yeah, yeah. We've actually been told that we should not have children. Yeah. So. Oh, yes. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, good, I don't want them. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, jokes on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it, it's hard. I think that, you know, you need both. You know, you need the statistics, you need the hard facts, you need the research, and you need the lived experiences, the stories. Yeah. You yeah. need um, all of that to... Um, to sway people, to uh, get a message across. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually uh, listening to a podcast, I think, uh, and they were talking about uh, – it was an interview with uh, two men who are in the LGBT space but also uh, Christians, and I think one of them was even a minister of some sort or maybe a reverend, um, and uh, they were talking about how uh, – their mission is to give the story, is mm. to give the, the the thing that's going to um, humanize people, that they're going to empathize. They were like, there's tons of books and literature about, like, how to interpret different Bible verses around homosexuality. You can go and read those, mm-hmm. but, like, we want to give you the story of how, yeah. these, how people have still met God and than gay, you know. Yeah. So, I, and I think that both of those are so valuable. Is how, and so similarly with you, like getting to share. This is the experience. This is the mm-hmm. story. Um, this is what's um, what has happened. <laughs> uh, and then, 
there are plenty of ways that people can find the statistics, the hard mm-hmm. facts, the studies, the research that's been done, because uh, it exists. It's not mm-hmm. like this is coming out of like thin air. Like yeah. this is all within the ether. Um, and I think too about these, you know, the, the white men on Instagram, if you will, uh, to them. <laughs> we should like they, we gotta come up with like a Karen version of the white Karen. men on Instagram that know, comment like on things. Ski or something. <laughs> oh, that's actually no, maybe like is that a good Joe. name? Chad. Chad is a good one. <laughs> that is good. The Chads. Chad. Yeah. Um, so Chad. <laughs> um, Chad's experience has been very different in the world, right? Mm -hmm. To Chad, things have gone uh, very easily, probably. Um, Chad has experienced a lot of privilege that he probably has not been aware of. And um, I think that it can be hard for the Chads of the world to be confronted with an experience that doesn't match up with their own. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, I feel like... You know, any marginalized group that you name, like, has been experiencing their experiences and then also being told the, like, more privileged experience because that's, like, the quote-unquote, like, dominant cultural Mm -hmm. experience, like, in the West. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the Chads (laughs) have not, like... That they they feel affronted, I think, mm-hmm. by yeah. the idea of of an experience that's different from their own. Whereas, um, you know, women, people of color, people in the LGBT space have have had to hold like recognize the Chad's experience and their own experience at the same time, and recognize mm-hmm. that there are many experiences of how to to I'm going to say experience again, <laughs> but how to relate to the world, yeah, how yeah. how they've interacted with mm-hmm. the world, and, and the ways that the world has treated them. So. Well, yeah, and as um, as someone who has not studied, but, like, I am in commercial marketing. A lot of my, like, video work that I do professionally is um, in that space of, like, trying to influence someone's decision for a product or yeah. in the past for a religion um, or, you know, a fund <laughs> or a donation or whatever. Um, and one thing that I've learned that is pretty clear across the board and it continues to be reinforced by research is – People actually make their decisions like 99% based on emotion mm-hmm. and on their feeling. And um, we like to think that we're more logical than that. And mm-hmm. we like to think that the um, the facts and the, you know, the logic and the reasoning are the things that we put together in our minds to purchase a product or develop a way of thinking or choose to donate our money to something. But actually, it's our it's our emotions that are actually the linchpin for decision making. And um and in that, like you said, we need the research, we need the mm-hmm. um we need the facts to back up what we're saying, but more importantly, we need the human stories mm-hmm. that um that say, hey, this has been my experience and this is this is why. Mm-hmm. And this is what I've gone through. And this is what I believe for. You know, it's that it's that human element I think that makes all the difference in who we are as a society. Yeah. I mean, the second we dehumanize someone, it makes it easy to just continue to treat them poorly. But if you can put a face and a name and a story to a topic of conversation, I think I can't really imagine how that wouldn't stir up empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. for what someone else is feeling, even if you can't understand it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah, the second you're like, that's not real. And I don't know anyone who's ever experienced that, then of course, it's easy to write it off. Totally. And I love to echo back to what Emma said earlier, 
about data, like that gives me chills. Um, I think data tells a story and it's so important. <laughs> Kelly Hans giving like, like a little data ooh. boner over here. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I do love it. Um, but Brene Brown has a quote where she says, everyone has a story that'll break your heart. And if you really listen and ask questions, everyone has a story that'll bring you to your knees. And I think those stories are being amplified right now. And maybe the chads of the world are like, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't want to be brought to my knees. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone's like, no, you need to hear it. Yeah. And, and it hurts. It well, really hurts. And Chad's problem is he thinks that he is of sound logic and reasoning and like he's got the facts and the science or mm-hmm. whatever. But the truth is Chad's belief, his decision-making, everything that he understands to be true about the world is based on his emotional mm-hmm. reaction to the stories that he's heard in mm-hmm. his life. And yep. so, so much of his belief system is actually built on his own emotion toward certain topics mm-hmm. and not about logic or reasoning or facts or whatever. And so it's kind of a, it's, it's sort of as advocates moving into the direction of the story-based storytelling backed up with research and from Chad's perspective, it's realizing, oh, okay, I actually have created a narrative in my mind that I emotionally feel attached to, whether that's from fear or, you know, my upbringing because I really loved, you know, the role model that my parents were or whatever, you know, whatever that sort of experience may be. And this is sort of getting like way off track, but um, there's a double barrier to overcome is what I'm saying, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. But I mean, I even, I want to also recognize that many of us, have probably to varying degrees also had a bit of Chad within us. Oh, we all, <laughs> everyone's oh, we got, got an inner Chad. Chad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like everyone's got a little bit of Karen. Just yeah, like a little sure. bit, even though you don't want to acknowledge it sometimes. Yeah, I've, I've called the manager over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I 100% will call the Kelly manager Ann over. 1000% has called the manager I have. over. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in I the sense of the Chad, by. in the sense of the Chad thing, like, I mean, I've, there's times where I have like, um, been a Chad in my whiteness or mm-hmm. in my um, straightness, straightness mm-hmm. or um, in my feelings about reproductive sure. rights and like diff- all those different things. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. there have 100% been times where I have had those blind spots and probably still have blind spots. Mm-hmm. Like I would be Always. naive to think that I don't. And, um, you know, we just got to grow from our we all from our little Chad selves. <laughs> but to bring it to circle it back, though, I think I think art and that expression of art mm-hmm. is it's a, it's all a form of storytelling in one way or another. And that is true. Sure. I mean, again, we're like we're talking about how not to put so much pressure on your art, but it is that sort of self-expression that changes the world. Yeah, it changes society. <laughs> it is makes well, it a better place. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I've learned the most in the past couple of years because that's kind of when my account really started getting more traction. And whenever it was like, okay, more there's like more eyes on this and there's like more conversations being had is like um the 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 fastest like deepest way that I can actually impact any spaces that I'm in is to just like live the life that I'm saying is valuable Mm -hmm. or walking the walk essentially you know like I spent a lot of energy whenever I first like started really like delving into like that kind of narrative of just like going externally with it of like you need to do blah 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 they are doing da 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 like you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and then it's like once I went more internal with it and I just started sharing how I was 
feeling, my experiences, the things that I've learned, and just kind of, like, the hope that I have for the world, Mm. I feel like it changed the pace of what I was doing, and it changed the feeling connected to what I was doing. And Mm. then I was like, oh, I think this is actually the key for me, personally, because I'm not an educator, because I haven't, like, deeply studied these things, and I'm not trying to do, like, infographics on stuff. I'm just trying to, like exist within myself and share that in ways that make sense Mm -hmm. um but yeah that that really changed the game for me as far as like creating for myself and and to still with the angle of wanting to say important things about important topics yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's what's powerful though too because it is you're very like hope and love focused Mm -hmm. like it's very you have very positive art but it (laughs) I feel like. No, I'm just thinking about myself um, as a person. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I feel. You're like, am I Ray of Sunshine? <laughs> I mean, I think you're delightful. Um, you're honest, though. Yeah. And that's yeah. what's important, right? And there, there can be hope and love and wanting for good for everyone mm-hmm. in honesty. And you need that, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, it's like you're. Your art kind of seems like your process. Yeah. And so I think that in that way it's relatable and feels safe Mm -hmm. and does take some of the pressure off Mm because a lot of it is you Mm -hmm. and your story and what is going on internally. And I think that's really, one, vulnerable and brave, Mm -hmm. but also, two, beneficial, Mm -hmm. like, to everyone that gets to observe. (laughs) Well, and you mentioned, too, uh, kind of balking at, like, the word advocate or, <laughs> or um, uh, uh, what is it? Activist. Act- activist or whatever. And so maybe you've already answered that question in this, but do you ever experience imposter syndrome? And um, it seems like probably yes. Don't we all? <laughs> Who hasn't? But, but how have you, have you handled that and how do you manage the pressure of, of that feeling? Mm. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I would say anyone creating today is going to have some form of imposter syndrome, especially because the world that we exist in allows you to see, like, every form of art, like, literally a million people doing the same thing that you're doing and better, Mm -hmm. or, you know, just in ways that you, like, wish you could and that's just not who you are or something. Like, I think that the comparison trap of... Mm -hmm. Um, creating on social media like is going to breed imposter syndrome Um, and I think too just as an anxious person I think it's easy for me to just get like really in my head about Mm -hmm. what I'm doing and kind of spin out mentally Um, but like I try to not look too much at what other people are doing um that are doing things similar to me like Mm. there's so many people that I respect who are like making brilliant beautiful work um but sometimes I just can't ingest it because then I'm going to immediately stack myself up next to it and so you know of course then I'm going to feel like oh my gosh when is everyone going to figure out that I'm actually not an artist and when is everyone going to figure out that like none of the things that I think are original or unique and I think just, yeah, imposter syndrome sounds a lot like my anxiety. So, <laughs> um, um, and so with that, I think, you know, things that I've had to learn 
with my like anxious brain is just like everything that I think isn't true, which is something I'm always trying to remember is like my thoughts are often very external coming in mm -hmm. and it's not actually what I believe and that's not actually what's true. Mm -hmm. And so basically just like staying in my own lane is the mm -hmm. only way that I can do that of just being like, there's a, like someone can be doing something really good and I can also be doing something really good and they have nothing to do with each other. Like, yeah. We're all creating beautiful art. And if it's honest, then I can't be, like, making all of this up. Like, if it's truly mm -hmm. what I think and feel and something that I've, like, lived, then I can't be a fraud because it's my real life. It's my real truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And uh, there's also, like, the the pressure, the social media pressure, right? Like, you, oh, yeah. you keep up an account and you have to, like, post a certain amount and you're trying to keep your audience engaged and all of those things in addition to just trying to be true to yourself. So how do you manage that sort of pressure? Yeah, I mean, that's a daily struggle for sure. <laughs> like, I think there's so much overthinking things that I'm doing on there being like, that, that feels a lot like me. Are people going to understand that? Or, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much perception with social media and like being perceived by other people. So yeah, obviously it's like a very consumption-based model. It's like, give me more, give me more, even more, you know, mm -hmm. the more you post, the more they want it. Um, and that is just like, not attainable, especially whenever you're trying to share so much of yourself mm -hmm. in this space. It's like, I can throw something up every day. But you know, I want to really mean it. And I want to really feel connected to it. And mm -hmm. sometimes I am totally just playing the game. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I'm recycling an old piece I did good a long time ago or like something there's a hot topic going on so I'll just kind of scribble something out and like make it look cute and just toss it up um but I think every day is just toggling back and forth between trying to stay true to myself mm -hmm. and also still trying to be successful with what I have which is social media mm -hmm. like that is how I get a lot of work and that is how people find me to like buy my art. So, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but it just is what we have right, right now. And so, you know, just trying to do the best that I can with it and not let it determine my worth and determine the worth of the art that I make. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think that that's, that's one thing that, um, a lot of creatives, um, I think have a love hate relationship with the the social media game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, a YouTube creator that I follow uh, was speaking yesterday about how uh, the one thing that she wishes she could change about her job is like the algorithm. Like yeah. she wishes that she first of all, like she she spoke on how the algorithm is biased towards specific types of people. Herself mm -hmm. being a thin, like, generically attractive white woman gets more traction than other people may who mm -hmm. are not the, like, favored people within mm -hmm. the various algorithms. Mm -hmm. But um, also just the fact that you kind of do have to play that game. But at the same time, it's that game that has given you so much opportunity mm -hmm. and that has mm -hmm. let your work be spread far and wide and mm -hmm. has, like, sustained you. Yeah. And so... I think that there's definitely a lot of tension within that. And um, I think that sort of is always the tension with with art is um, mm -hmm. between, you know, the 
the authenticity of the artist versus the, you know, the sellability, yeah. <laughs> if you will, of the art. And um, yeah, it's it's hard going back and forth between that because y- y- you got to live right. <laughs> and you got to make money to live. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a it's a necessity. But um, also you talking about the the imposter syndrome stuff uh, makes me think of this uh, Nick Cave quote that I really love, uh, which says that nothing you create is ultimately your own, yet all of it is you. And um, I think about how when I was in school studying photography, like our professors did a lot where they had us ingest a lot of different artists' mm-hmm. work. And it was like, okay, like just just copy what you like copy it and I was like this seems wrong to right. do this seems like unethical like this is, isn't this like artistic plagiarism or something um but the thing was is that at the end of the day when you're making it there's no way that you can 100% recreate what yeah. someone else has made and you um put your own spin into it and uh your own you know sort of essence becomes infused within that because art is so personal too mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that at the end of the day, whatever you put out is still you, you know, like you, even if it's a thing that's quote unquote going to work well with the algorithm, it is part of you. You're, you're not just, you know, copy pasting someone else's work, uh, even though you are, you know, I guess working smart <laughs> as an right. artist in that sense, uh, which is, I think, can feel... Um, inauthentic to yeah. the like idealized oh the artist just like lays on their chase lounge <laughs> and allows the yeah. inspiration to wash over them mm-hmm. and the the creative gods just bless them with a touch <laughs> from the heavens and then out comes the most beautiful masterpiece it's like n- no that, yeah. <laughs> that's that's not true or or practical i wish <laughs> yeah i mean honestly it's great <laughs> i make trash art like half the time that no one will ever see or i'm like because the one thing that does keep me really connected to the stuff that I make and trying to make a lot mm-hmm. of it, like sometimes it is for social media, but it's also good exercise for myself to right. just keep writing, keep thinking, keep drawing, you know, whatever. Um, writing my own quotes is what helps me stay engaged in that way a lot. Like very, very rarely will I um, use anyone else's words mm-hmm. whenever I'm doing things. And that does help it feel really authentic but yeah I mean there's definitely times whenever I'm like recycling content which is like working smarter not harder kind of thing because it is still kind of like a business page and it's social media but yeah you know, that doesn't mean that I feel the same as whenever I first made it I'll be like having a shitty day mm-hmm. and I'm just like uh I'm posted in four days I guess I should throw something up there mm. but yeah the core of it is still there the sure. you know the essence of it is still real I still meant it yeah I just was in a bad mood whenever I posted (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and I mean some of that is also just the magic of social media yeah (laughs) well I think maybe too like overcoming the myth that like the art comes when the stars are all aligned and you know it just Mm -hmm. flows out and it you post it on Instagram with the perfect you know mood and intention and whatever but in reality it's so much more messy than that the Mm -hmm. creation of of things (laughs) well there's there has to be a lot of strategy involved like you you do have to stay relevant in the sense of staying on Mm -hmm. like um and yeah i mean it's it's just in the past art was like something that you waited years for and then now Mm -hmm. it's like i want new every day and that's just not realistic for 
any person doing anything creative. Like, mm. you need the time to live and feel and think and yeah. breathe, mm-hmm. and then you can create something new. Yeah. But that's not the pace of social media. So you just got to do whatever works for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's, um, that's a message you don't hear a lot on social media. It's not <laughs> do whatever works for you. It's do the grind, period, or else. <laughs> Fuck the grind. <laughs> <laughs> How do you stay, like, inspired? Like, what are the things that, like, um, is, it, is it travel? Is it long walks on the beach? Is it, you know, like... Are you building her online dating profile? <laughs> I think you are. Netflix and chill with your puppy? Or, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, what are the things that you find most um, beneficial? Mm. I do think rest is a really big part of it. It feels cheesy because I know everyone's, like, talking about it. But, I mean, I think that I am anti-grind a little bit. Like... I've done it, participated in it so much. And I think now that I'm working for myself, I'm in this kind of like magical, frustrating space of like, what does it actually look like whenever I get full control over how I want to participate in work and rest and what does balance look like for me? Um, And so I'm trying to put in lots of different types of pockets in my day, like having fun, like I started roller skating. And so doing things like that, I feel like is really inspiring because it's a lot of play, which Mm -hmm. I feel like I haven't really had in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm trying to read more to just like get my brain moving and get my thoughts going, Um, trying to take in art in ways that just moves me like reaching out for the type of art that just makes me feel something mm-hmm. um because I am like a really feelings driven person um and yeah I mean I think also too like I'm a little bit more social than I want to be like I think I like the whole like super mysterious super introverted <laughs> like artist thing but I, I have found especially through the pandemic like being like a, a pretty lonely time of being like oh I am um somewhat energized whenever I'm like around really good people and we get to like have really meaningful conversations like yeah it's really simple stuff but I do feel like um being outside making room for play making room for rest connecting with like safe good people like those things are inspiring because they make Mm -hmm. me feel in my life Mm -hmm. you know and then from there I can use that energy to keep up with what's going on in the world and sit with really difficult things and find um, my interpretation of that and share that it's it's all kind con- it's like a more holistic view of inspiration mm-hmm. uh, for me I'm changing that a bit because before it was just like I got to keep up with what's going on and my inspiration is um, current mm-hmm. you know my inspiration is just like the, the current narrative and like how do I fit into that and Um, I'm shifting that a bit because that's what's going to be more sustainable for me. Um, I really don't want to burn out. And I feel like it was, it could have happened really quickly before and probably did for a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I very much resonate with the sentiment of 
wishing that you could be the like moody, mysterious artist <laughs> and feeling like I, I have friends who are like that and I just admire them so much. And I'm like just way too extroverted and like excited to do those, that, to do that, you know? I'm moody, <laughs> but I overshare like crazy. <laughs> yeah. No mystery here. No I'm mystery. very moody. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, you know, you just got to accept the way that you are <laughs> at the end of the day and that doesn't make you a worse artist which I think is the thought that I've had at times where oh, it's sure. like oh if I'm not as you know reclusive reclusive yeah. and cool and I can go like, live in a house you know, on the hill kind yeah, of yeah. And I'm like I, I just <laughs> don't want to do that <laughs> I'm, I love it. I'm just like, yeah, it's my dream to like <laughs> live in a house in the woods and just write all day. That's what I want to do. So and I do love that, but I also <laughs> have like too many mental health issues to be by myself. <laughs> <laughs> just honestly, amongst your thoughts. That's going to end poorly. Honestly, <laughs> like same. So the idea is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a nice thought. It's a nice thought. <laughs> it is. I'm just like yeah. mm, maybe for a week, and then we'll, right. we'll yes. see how weird sure. it gets. <laughs> I don't relate to any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys are all wonderful and beautiful, but being in a reclusive cabin by myself up in the woods sounds a little bit scary. Oh my gosh! I've listened to too much true crime. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know how I'm that like, goes, and it does not go well. No, See I what know, happens. I know what's in the woods. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what's in the woods, right? Like, if it's a coven, like peace, you know, do your peace. thing. But if it's like a crazy axe murderer yeah, white guy, like fine, but- I'm. I'm gonna like shoot you from my porch, you know? Like that's not happening. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean the statistically the odds of that really happening mm. low. I'm just <laughs> gonna say that's what they say, but also like but like also, it, people, yeah. happens to didn't think it also people are like, you know, you're never gonna get eaten by a shark. But like last week some dude was mauled in Australia and he dead, so I don't think okay. this is the first time in what fifty years or something. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, but statistically, like, statistically, not... but what about his lived story oh, experience? My word. I feel like you're kind of erasing his experience. <laughs> I'm just saying you're more <laughs> likely. <laughs> it is more probable that you'll die in a car accident. I'm just saying. No, totally. I think you have to drive home. After. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I think of it every time I turn my key. <laughs> Gosh, I just yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> all that to say, great, great thoughts, <laughs> ladies. Um, I want to pivot slightly. Uh, Kimmy, you uh, mentioned to us uh, before that a lot of your clients are, in fact, women. Yeah. Yay. Uh, and we here at the Women Being Women, Woman. I get annoyed at that. When people say women being, do you get annoyed at that? Yeah. It's woman being. But it's an understandable mistake. Pluralized woman beings. Yeah. Just in case I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. It's fine if you make the mistake. It's okay. It's an easy one to make. But just don't do it again. (laughs) Don't fucking do it again. (laughs) Or Kelly will shoot you from her porch. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Only white guys with axes on a wife beater. On a wife beater? In a wife beater. (laughs) Um, Okay. Anyways. Really just rabbit trailing here. Uh, many of your clients are women. Love it. Um, why do you think that is? And uh, I'm curious to hear uh, just sort of like what you notice as a woman in the art world uh, in, in maybe ways that you've seen that you might experience that differently or uniquely or what, what has it been like? Mm. 
Having mostly women clients is pretty dreamy, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I think, I mean, obviously I can't speak for them, but um, quite a, a few of them have come from me working with someone else that they knew, had like a really good experience, and then so word of mouth, I feel like between women seems to be like really valuable. I mean, I think for most people, it's like if you can get a referral, it's like with someone you trust, then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for sure, you'll give it a try. But um, I just think there's a lot of like easiness and connection. Like I feel genuinely connected to the people that I work with. Like we can hop on a call and like feel really safe. Um, just kind of like exploring ideas together. Like, uh, I think that there's a lot of, um, almost like nurturing that, that comes with these types of relationships, which is, you know, societally like feminine or whatever, mm-hmm. but, um, I just, I've had very different experiences working with men than I have with women. Like, with women, I feel like there's a, a little bit more care and time that goes into the relationship that we have creatively. Mm. Um, and that's really special, and I think that they feel that too. Um, which, and then also too, I think that women do value women. Like, especially yeah. when you're in completely different fields. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's... There's so much more uh, appreciation and respect and, like, instant trust, which I feel like I have to earn quite a bit more whenever I work with men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love having mostly women clients. I love yeah. that. I mean, you know, and also, too, I think it's just, like, women do want to invest in other women. Uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned women um, referencing, like, or, like, getting references from women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we've talked a little bit on the podcast about uh, multi-level marketing schemes. <laughs> Uh, such as uh, LuLaRoe was, uh, we talked about. Isn't it so good? Yeah, we did a whole episode about uh, the LuLaRoe documentary. You should go give it a listen. Um, (laughs) uh, But in that, uh, we talk about how uh, a big reason why a lot of these MLMs target women is because the power of the the word of mouth is Mm -hmm. so... Uh, large amongst mm-hmm. uh like women and mm-hmm. uh i think in mlms it's sort of like the stereotype of the like housewives who all like gather together for tea or whatever mm-hmm. and they like you know wind up selling things to one another uh but i think similarly there's that spirit of um women uh having trust with one another mm-hmm. uh women wanting to support other women yeah. um consciously seeking out uh women to uh, invest in, mm-hmm. which I, I think is super powerful because, um, honestly, uh, for the, the standard has been men investing in other men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, men have said, oh, like, I will lift you up, you my, my you know, mentee or whatever, and you will you will come and uh, eventually take my place in, in the business world mm-hmm. or in the in the church world mm-hmm. or wherever it is. And um, I think that women being able to now say, okay, I'm going to invest in you. I see value in you as a woman um, is a way for women to like take more steps towards towards equity mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's pretty cool that you're able to, um, you know, be part of that as as you work with other women yeah I definitely I feel like very lucky to to be in that position and to have the clients that I do and just the community that I do I feel um incredibly supported which Mm -hmm. I think there's there's so much narrative around competition within women or like infighting you know that sort of thing and I've 
have genuinely not experienced that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I've made so many friends within the same realm of art that I do. And like, they've been crucial, especially transitioning to working for myself. Um, we've, you know, referred each other for projects that, you know, maybe we can take and have like shared suppliers and just like things, things like that, that I'm like, this is just really beautiful and how it should be. And yeah, it just, it's pretty dreamy. And I'm sure not everyone has experienced that. And I'm sure one day it might be different in another situation, but for right now, it it just feels like we want each other to do really well. Mm. And that's pretty beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I think that the the idea of, like, the infighting and um, I think comes from the mindset that there's not going to be enough. Exactly. You know, and historically there hasn't, you know, like, and and so I think that um, women on the whole are – are, have been shifting a lot in the direction of of being supportive instead of, um, you know, grasping for what little bits of, mm-hmm. you know, power or influence or whatever we can get mm-hmm. uh, and recognizing that when we work together, when we lift one another up, it actually is um, going to be beneficial for all. Yeah. There's, there's room at the table. <laughs> yep. But, like, I super resonate with that. Like, and it, it makes sense to me because, like, I'm the girl <laughs> that's, like – I got the best wax lady. I got the best massage mm-hmm. therapist. I like, like, and I, I love to, like, pass good people oh, yes. to good people. Yeah. Like, and even, like, I've got um, some friends that either have their own clothing company or are building their own clothing brand. Or, like, I have a friend who's, like, trying to launch her own business. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll introduce you to any contacts I have totally. that could help you just because – I actually believe in women-led businesses, mm-hmm. and I feel like as women, we tend to to want to support each other, yeah, um, especially more so now probably than ever before. Yeah. And so I love that uh, camaraderie and that, um, that, like, I'm willing to share and support and, like, actually it doesn't take anything from me, um, and I would rather, like – see you succeed than be stressed out about that one client that I might not get or, you, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I love that. So watch out, patriarchy. <laughs> Women are on the same team now. So Oh, you're so screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a good sound bite. <laughs> um, but speaking of, I'm sure uh, working with women has been, like, like you said, a dream. But also I'm really curious, like, how your art has played a role in possibly healing because mm-hmm. art I feel like is not just it's like a practice and a lifestyle and what you're describing of like how you're trying to structure your life that's very mindful mm-hmm. um and I I'm just curious to hear what that has how that has played a role in your life yeah I think whenever you go through something so life-altering, like deconstruction. Um, There's so much of a lifeline in the things that do bring you comfort and that make you feel connected to yourself, uh, to the source of anything that is, like, good and safe. And writing and art just has been that thing for Mm -hmm. me. Uh, It's been, like, a companion, Mm -hmm. essentially, Um, something that I could always lean on, like, regardless of what my current circumstances were. Um, 
which is pretty priceless. Mm -hmm. uh, and having the access to myself in that way and having the access to process um, obviously is healing in mm -hmm. itself because I feel like I've met myself so many times through pieces that I've made mm. and I've impressed myself with the way that I've found um, phrases to discuss really difficult things mm. um, which is pretty irreplaceable and then further than that sharing it and having other people mm. uh, feel seen in the things that you're creating is just a full circle moment and there's just no way that you can't feel whole mm -hmm. in that you know yeah. there's no way that that can't be like a little stitch of healing every single time something like that happens within yourself and then whenever you share it and that happens mm -hmm. outside of you yeah yeah I love um your collection, I think you just launched, it says, what if it all works out? Mm, yeah. The self-care is for everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I love, as someone with a lot of anxiety that worries <laughs> a lot, I that's been really impactful. Like, actually sitting in that, like, hey, what if it all works out? Like, right. at the end of the day, you're going to wake up tomorrow. Like, mm -hmm. you know, your husband's going to be here. Like, you have your apartment and like you can keep going. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of comfort in that phrase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's so simple, but I mean, it's something that I've leaned on for a while, just, you know, having anxiety my whole life and, mm -hmm. you know, learning about positive what ifs essentially is, is mm -hmm. what they're called. And there's like so many that I've gone through, but, you know, catastrophic thinking is something that I'm like very comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so having to challenge all of these ways that it couldn't work out or will blow up or fall apart and mm -hmm. something just so simple as that just really interrupts mm -hmm. that spiral. Yeah. And it really does shift something inside of you whenever you imagine positive scenarios. Totally. Especially when you're like, I've I've envisioned all the not positive oh, scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've ran through it mm -hmm. at least ten times. Mm -hmm. Um and that disruption mm -hmm. is um really beautiful yeah it's drawing in like the mm -hmm. right way yeah mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I love that idea of the of positive what ifs I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before yeah. uh but I think that that's really I, I I mean I believe really strongly in the in the power of using like positive language around things um for example I recently went on <laughs> an Instagram stories rant of sorts about veganism I'm vegan and people tell me like you can't eat this and I'm like well no like I, I choose not to eat this or I, mm. I I want to eat something different you know like I the idea of a can't being put onto me is is not um helpful not true not <laughs> it's not it's it's inaccurate to the to the choice that I've made as if I've been forced into this choice and so um I think that's really powerful to to use language to um to change your mindset around something, mm -hmm. to uh, to to push uh, your yourself in in a different direction, uh, and maybe that internal narrative will start to shift to positive what ifs mm -hmm. rather than than the negative. Yeah. But all that to say, <laughs> wow, 
Okay, I feel like we've covered so we many things thus so far. So many things. We've been talking about art. We've been talking about creativity. We've been talking about deconstruction and church trauma. We've been talking about the patriarchy mental and health. freaking Chad and <laughs> mental health. Uh, Go home, Chad. <laughs> Well, no, Chad, you can come to the table as long as you're willing to freaking listen. Uh, and, so, and, that, and that is to our inner chat as well. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so all that to say, Cammy, we have so loved getting to talk to you. We must now ask you the fateful question that we ask every single one of our guests. Uh, and that question is, <laughs> can Drum you roll, guess please. it? <laughs> it is coming. <laughs> Um, is what does the phrase woman being mean to you? Hmm. This is definitely the only question that was tripping me up whenever <laughs> I was, you know, mentally preparing to be here. Um, but I sat with it for a little bit and the, the feelings that were coming up and the things that were coming to mind was, um, a lot of, uh, wholeness, mm-hmm. like woman being to me the way that it felt in my body and in my brain was like um, whenever I can show up like in in the wholeness of self, like centered within myself with permission to um, engage in the ways that like feel true and safe to me, like woman being felt like uh, wearing that feeling, carrying that around with you in your body, um, like standing up really tall and like mm-hmm. the truth of who you are. Uh, just kind of unapologetically whole, mm-hmm. unapologetically you. That's what I felt with woman being. That's a lovely uh, interpretation of it, I would say. <laughs> no, I, I love that. The I think that a lot of our, I mean, there's no right answer, but I think that a lot of our sentiment behind it is is that idea that we are unapologetically um, putting ourselves into a place of saying, hello, we are here, mm. we are human mm-hmm. <laughs> beings, yeah. and we are woman beings. We um, we deserve a, a spot. We deserve to take up space, you know. It just reminded me, as you said, we are here of Horton Hears a Who. <laughs> Oh. What? <laughs> that is such a Which good is movie. such a deeply profound book. Um, <laughs> the idea that uh, a person's a person no matter how small. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And this sort of like group of people stand up together and they all yell, we are here, we are here. Mm-hmm. But they're so small, no one can hear them. But when they all yell together, an elephant with the biggest ears yeah. hears them. Yeah, hears the who. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we are here. It's a very story. I don't think I've ever even thought about it that way until you said we are here. And I was like, oh Mm. my gosh, Horton, here's a who. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Dr. Seuss, very controversial right now, but um, honestly, though, the movie is really good. It makes me cry like every time. The musical is good. The book is good. It's Um, all. Yeah. It's a lovely portrait of humanity and um, hearing the marginalized. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, all that to say, I'm sure that after our conversation, uh, the people will want to mm-hmm. to dive into your little brain a little more, Cammy. They, <laughs> so, they want to buy your art. I'm yeah. sure. Yes. 
Yes. So could you, one, give us any resources that have maybe been helpful to you on your journey, things that you recommend to people? Um, and then also tell the people, where can they find you? Because they are jonesing, I'm sure. All right. <laughs> uh, so whenever it comes to running your own business uh, or just being like a creative entrepreneur, um, Lisa Congdon is someone that I look up to on Instagram. It's Lisa Congdon, C-O-N-G-D-O-N. Um, she has a podcast where she talks to other artists and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and doing creative work and uh, their conversations are just like really honest and I feel like really helpful. She's also um, written a couple of books about um, more strategically running your own business, like a little bit of a handbook. I mm-hmm. uh, really appreciated reading that. There's some really practical insight and just wisdom for how to kind of set up your creative life, mm-hmm. your creative business. Um, Blair Money, she is an influencer, um, online educator, a client of mine and a friend. Uh, she wrote a book called um, How to Get Smarter with Blair Money and where she covers lots of um, kind of social justice topics from like race to disability and mm-hmm. just lot of like marginalized communities are represented in there and she teaches you how to sort of step in and be part of the solution for good Mm -hmm. um and then whenever it comes to deconstruction or anything around spirituality um rachel held evan's book searching for sunday has saved me over and over again Mm -hmm. may she rest in peace oh and then if you want to find me (laughs) um instagram at z-e-a-i-n-k um that dot com (laughs) is my website um i have products and i do design services and i post pictures of my dog so you should go follow that (laughs) your dog is so cute what's your dog's name tell us all about brunch she's almost three years old um someone was like rehoming her on craigslist and i just like happened to swoop in and you're like get her that's my dog brunch i know like yeah so cute she's pretty special she's really great oh love it well we will have all those things linked for you guys uh so that you can easily access all those great resources and so you can easily access cami and brunch (laughs) (laughs) the real star of the show (laughs) we tried to get brunch on but she we couldn't afford her so (laughs) her agent was just complicated (laughs) um all that to say, thank you so much for um, just such a good and riveting conversation, Cami. We have loved getting to talk yeah. to you today. Um, Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. Aww. We really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can also, also follow us at Woman Being Podcast on all the things. Our website is womanbeingcommunity.com. We also recently released a trailer um, that sort of is people answering the question, what is woman being? And uh, you can check that out on YouTube and on our website and on our Instagram. So watch Definitely. it every place multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> show it to your friends. Show it to your mom. Yeah. yeah. Send it to your email list. Show yeah. it to your dog yeah. named Brunch. <laughs> yeah. She will be watching. Yes. Uh, so that's like a fun uh, side project that we just put out and um, wanted to, you know, advertise ourselves a bit. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, all that to say – Thank you for sitting with us today and uh, taking the time. Uh, We hope that you gained a lot from this conversation. I know that I did. I love talking about the creative process and just everything else that came up today. Those are all on brand. So (laughs) 
Um, we would love to hear your feedback. Uh, feel free to, you know, respond to us on social media and all that jazz. Uh, all that to say. <laughs> Gosh. All that to say, I'm going to wrap up this episode uh, and we will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.